Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up, football and early returns on the first round rookie quarterbacks. Well, they're going to have to stop wearing steel gloves up there if you listen to the wide receivers. They say he's breaking digits on a daily basis. Some veteran free agents who are still unsigned. If this does not spell collusion with capital letters straight on through. And T.O. pulling a T.O. on the Hall of Fame. This is the Scouts Honor Podcast with inside information. I think the front office is hoping it's his last year because it's going to have to do something with that high salary they handed McDaniels not to go to Indianapolis. And unique perspective. 32 owners lined up at the Chicago Stockyard. A man came along and went clip, clip, clip. All their testicles came off because they were listening to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. From Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host, Paul Crane. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the publisher of the NFL Draft Report and director of operations of Scouting Services, Inc., Dave T. Thomas, who is back in the United States after more than a month overseas. Dave T., welcome home to the U.S., and it's football time once again. I'm going to the used bookstore uh, as soon as we finish the show over here. I have a lot of translation guides I want (laughs) to start kicking back. Oh, my God, Paul, I'm telling you, I would, if it wasn't me pointing at food over there, I would have stopped. Well, it's a Football Scouts Honor podcast today. We're glad to have you back. And why don't we start where we started on draft day with the rookie quarterbacks. They've had an opportunity to have some OTAs and mini camps getting started. So before we get to training camp, let's start at the top number one. The Cleveland Browns took Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma. What are some of the first impressions of Baker Mayfield with the Browns? He will need time. Tyrod Taylor will not have to worry about looking over his shoulder uh, in training camp. Struggled a little bit with the throws. Did show some accuracy out there, but you did see that this was a ball player that is going to need a little bit of time to develop. Could this be another Deshaun Watson situation if Tyrod Taylor falls flat on his face? I don't know right now. I mean, he may be the third option if uh, something happens up at Cleveland early. How much does that surprise you, if at all, since I know you had, you had mentioned that Baker Mayfield was perhaps the most ready to get in there and play early, and it is really early. I mean, he's hardly digested the playbook, let alone worked with his teammates. Well, he, any rookie quarterback coming in, they, they get overwhelmed by the playbook itself. He's a smart cookie. He's shown what he could do over at at Oklahoma, but now he's coming into a different environment. The game is much faster at the NFL level, Paul. And one thing he's going to have to make sure, he better not bring a flag out there to try to plant in the middle of any opponent's field. (laughs) No doubt. And again, the jump, even from the highest level of college football to the NFL, is so huge. Yeah, but he won over two names he needed to win over, Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon. Both of them loved the kid. As a matter of fact, Landry spent quite a bit of time down at the OTAs working out with Mayfield after practice. What it comes down to is going to be the chemistry developed between those three. 
whether Tyrod Taylor is there for a year or if Tyrod Taylor holds on to the job for whatever, they invested heavily in Mayfield. Mayfield needs to be in sync with his two wide receivers. I think the problem, though, over there is I think they're going to have to look at the issue with their number three wide receiver. Coleman continues to not impress, and the kid out of Baylor had injury issues last year. He can't use the injury issues this year. He needs to come in. He needs to play the slot. The only way that Cleveland's going to win some games is if that offense gets off the dry dock. Obviously, we'll be paying a lot of attention to the Browns moving forward and Baker Mayfield in particular, but let's move on to the next quarterback who is taken on draft day. At number three by the Jets, Sam Darnold out of USC. How are things going for Darnold in the early going? Quiet, impressive, everything else over there, but they got a problem, my friends. Uh, They did not expect Teddy Bridgewater to look as good as he's done in uh, OTAs and also in minicamp. They thought that he was going to come in. It was a look-see. It was only a half a million dollar gamble. Now they're looking at this guy. They're looking at Sam Donald, and we might have ourselves a quarterback controversy come 2019 if Bridgewater ends up seizing the job this season. What happened to Josh McCown being the mentor and holding the position until Donald was ready? Uh, well, the whole thing was Bridgewater was on the field, and McNam uh, was down at the Social Security office preparing for his future. <laughs> so... Good news for Teddy Bridgewater, who I know his contract's got all sorts of bonuses. He may actually pick some of those up, which would be able to buy Sam Darnold some time and not throw him out there too early. Yeah, it's a pleasant problem to have when you have two quality quarterbacks sitting in front of you. And if Bridgewater could prove that he's back from that knee, uh, the knee woes, uh, they have themselves one great trade chip because you've got to look at the 2019 draft ball. I mean, 17 out of my 25 top guys are defensive linemen. So you're looking at a situation, you're not going to have that quarterback. They could talk all they want about Haber up at uh, Oregon. This kid has missed at least five games a year since he's been up there. How am I going to go ahead and invest in a quarterback in round one, knowing that I might only have him out there for half of my season? You're looking at these quarterbacks, why a team might have gone for Lamar Jackson, even though knowing it might not be for a year or two down the road. Go back and look at the college ranks. Go back and look at the 19 uh, draft class. Go back and look at the 2020 draft class. If you needed a quarterback, this was the year to get it. Well, we're talking about football today, and we certainly will be talking about the 2019 draft very soon with your very early look ahead on a future Scouts Honor podcast. But as we continue our look through the rookie quarterbacks and how they're faring in the early going, Dave T., you had mentioned well before the draft that you felt the quarterback coming in, if he was selected by the right team, that had the highest potential ceiling was Josh Allen out of Wyoming. Well, the Buffalo Bills took him at number seven. How are things going for Allen in the early going with Buffalo? Well, they're going to have to stop wearing steel gloves up there if you listen to the wide receivers. They say he's breaking digits on a daily basis. The funny thing, though, was Josh Allen showed up, they held a press conference, and one of the radio station's producers decided, well, you drafted Josh Allen, I quit. (laughs) See you, buddy. Why would he do that? Josh Allen, he was... I have no idea because at the rate that Allen was throwing that ball over there, if he's looking to get back into the industry, it probably will be at least 15 years before Allen hangs up his football helmet. (laughs) So a good start for Josh Allen with the Bills. As they start to approach training camp, we continue our look at the first-round rookie quarterbacks. 
Josh Rosen out of UCLA was taken at number 10 as the Arizona Cardinals traded up to get him. And then Rosen got all mouthy about having nine teams pass on him before being selected. How's Josh Rosen doing in the early going? You know, I'm really glad he shut his mouth when he got into camp. He got into there. He started bearing down. My gut feeling is Bradford might as well right now just look and sit down and say, okay, I'll take the number two spot. I got a funny feeling that if any rookie quarterback opens up the season as a starter, it will be that Arizona Cardinal. Everybody knows about his accuracy. Everybody knows that he needs protection. He's not a mobile quarterback. The key for them up there is how comfortable are they going to be with their offensive line protecting Rosen? If not, they'll put Bradford out there figuring, hey, broke down Palace, he's going he's gonna to end up on the injury list anyway, and then I'll bring Rosen in. But I just got a sneaky feeling up there, Mike Glennon, Sam Bradford, you guys are going to be holding a clipboard, Rosen's going to be the man. Wow, so off to an impressive start with the Arizona Cardinals. Paul, I'm not one uh, for his attitude and the cockiness and everything else. You know, they say, well, you know, he's sort of like Aaron Rodgers. Give me a break on that. I mean, uh, some of the things he came out with in college, you look at his coach down there, Jim Mora. I mean, Jim was like, uh, he, he needed stool softener because he was so constipated talking about this guy without saying anything bad. I think what you're going to see is is the veterans are going to be the ones that are going to take Rosen and say, listen, cut the crap, here's what we're going to do. Larry Fitzgerald is going to play a big key there. I got a feeling that it will be either Eric Decker or Des Bryant as the number two wide receiver. So he Uh will have some good targets to throw to. You you look at Arizona right now, the big thing they need is a number two. They lost John Brown into free agency. Larry can't do it himself, and Larry's in his 15th season. If you want that offense to move, you're going to have to bring in a wide receiver. You looked at the draft, you weren't too impressed with the wideouts that were out there. You got Macklin, you got Decker, you got Brian sitting on uh, the sidelines right now. Who do you take? I'm a little concerned about Macklin. I think he's more of a slot guy than a guy on the outside. Uh, Decker has lost at least a step or two in the last couple of years, but he's still a solid possession receiver. If Macklin doesn't end up in Arizona, more than likely he could end up with the Pats because we'll talk about the situation that happened with the Pats today. You bet we will. But uh, interesting on Josh Rosen, uh, one more first-round rookie that – we want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens traded back up into the first round on draft night. And at number 32, Lamar Jackson, the former Heisman Trophy winner out of Louisville, was taken. How's Lamar Jackson, who got pretty mouthy after the draft as well? How's he doing early on with the Ravens? Well, he looks impressive over there, had a lot of flashes and everything, but I think he's more of an alarm clock than a quarterback at the moment. Lamar Jackson calling Joe Flacco. It's your wake up call. Oh. I'm guessing that means he is doing exactly what the Ravens want. He's pushing Flacco and maybe faster than Flacco likes. Paul, if they did not get into playoffs, understand one thing. Ozzy's stepping up. Eric's stepping into the GM job. Harper's on the hot seat. Out of most of the coaches out there, I would say his seat is the hottest. You've got an owner that wants to get back into the playoffs. He's looking at a quarterback that basically has been going through the motions the last couple of years. Okay, he did have the big injury and everything, but since he's come back, it's not been the Joe Flacco that got them to the Super Bowl. If you end up turning around and saying, you know what, we missed the playoffs again, 
coach, you're out the door. You bring in a new coach, a new coach is not going to stay with Flacco. He's going to go with the young guy. Why? Because the young guy will buy him more time on the sidelines than a veteran would do. If Flacco falls on his face, the next coach got himself a problem. How do you then go ahead and move the rookie in? So you better, if you're going to bring in a new coach in 2019, start fresh on the center. Of course, if Harbaugh's in trouble and finds, as the season unfolds, to feel in trouble, how short a leash is Flacco on? Or do you think they're tied together? He's going to go with Flacco, let Lamar Jackson sit as long as he needs to sit, and uh, run as far as they can run together. You know, when you're coaching, you've got to save your job. Pardon the pun over here, but he's going to have to go for a Hail Mary pass and put in Jackson. How short a leash do you think Flacco's going to be on then in this season? If they get out one and three, boom, it's not going to be a leash. It's going to be an explosion. So the Ravens give us another reason to keep a close eye on them. One more rookie quarterback, though, I'd love to talk to you about. I know you have mentioned that a seventh-round sleeper may have taken place in Seattle where Alex Magoo out of Florida International might be able to win a backup job if something should happen to Russell Wilson. Well, I look at this kid. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He's got the mobility. This is everything that if Wilson does fall by the wayside or if Wilson gets hurt, and you understand one thing, I've never seen a quarterback get hit so much behind probably the worst offensive line I've seen in the last 20 years. Uh, you have to have yourself a quality backup. You saw what happened with Boyd. Boyd over there just kept on getting in trouble off the field. They finally had to get rid of him. I think that they might look for like a Matt Moore to come in also so they have some veteran leadership over there because if you turn it over to a seventh-round draft pick, a rookie, you might be getting yourself in a little bit of trouble. And Pete Carroll right now, even though they're denying it, I think Pete might end up joining Harbaugh on the hot seat. As we move on, We've already talked about a couple of the free agent wide receivers who are out there. We're going to run through some other big name free agents that are still out on the market and get to some other news. But you referenced the Patriots when you were talking about Jeremy Macklin. I don't see them as being someone that would be looking at a Des Bryant, for example. You've talked about Des, though. You've talked about Eric Decker and Macklin. Julian Edelman has been suspended four games because of PED use, so the Patriots may need themselves a veteran wide receiver, at least in the early part of the season. Boy, they got problems up there. Every time I keep on turning around, even before the Edelman thing, you're looking at the Gronk injury factor. You're looking at the the disenchantment of Brady with uh, the coaching staff. You look at what's going on, and they really, even on draft day, they really didn't hit a home run with any of those guys. They're bringing in a guy to play, a guy to play left tackle that everybody said was a left guard. I dif- disagree with it. I think Wynn is going to be an outstanding left tackle. Uh, you, they still have the committee in the backfield. I think that. John Mitchell will probably end up winning that job. But look what happens if something happens with Brady, Brian Hoyer, Danny Etling. If Tom goes down, uh, they'll probably rival Cleveland from 2017 and not win another game without number 12 in the lineup. And they've had all sorts of other issues going on beyond the obvious football ones. How secure is New England's situation in a division that they have dominated for more than a decade? 
Well, if you lose Edelman for at least the four games over there, what are you looking? What are you going to do? Hogan is uh, Chris Hogan has now moved out to the outside, so that leaves you in a slot of bringing in Braxton Berrios, who down at uh, Miami was nothing more than a return man, or bringing in Philip Dorsett, a guy that was not only not wanted by the Indianapolis Colts, but uh, New England has decided not to pick up his 50-year option. You got another first round bust on the other side who flamed out in Minnesota and also flamed out in Oakland in Cord- uh, uh Patterson. You got to hope that Jordan Matthews, the guy that you picked up last year from Buffalo, is healthy enough to get out there. If not, your next quality receivers are Kenny Bird and Matthew Slater. Tom Brady or no for Tom Brady, you're not going to get that ball down deep. And as talented as Jeremy Macklin, for example, has been, you mentioned the team might have interest in someone like him. He's had trouble staying healthy. A lot of ifs surrounding the Patriots. Well, you look on the offensive line. They're, they're going in with this thing over here. Lodrady and Waddle is going to get the first opportunity to start at left tackle. you got your left guard, Joe Dooney, who ended up hurting his foot. He's going to be out through training camp. Uh, you're, you're playing with a free agent center. Uh, you're turning around and looking at Marcus Cannon, who had one of his uh, worst seasons last year at the right tackle spot. Then you go over to defense. Danny Shelton, he really flamed out in Cleveland, so Cleveland dumped him on New England. Unfortunately for uh, the Patriots, they have nobody else to step into one of those DT spots. Dante Hightower is coming back off of yet another injury. You look at the cornerbacks over there, uh, they picked up Duke Dawson, but to me, he's more of a slot guy. Jason McCourty, the only reason he's on that team is because his brother's on the team. This is a team of problems, Paul. Uh, right now, the way they sit, even if there are no more injuries, I see eight and eight, and that's it. They're out of the gate. Wow. And all those ifs and potential problems when talking about the Patriots, we didn't mention Rob Gronkowski. Uh, we did, but him coming back from the injuries. But <laughs> I want to keep quiet on him because right now you're talking about a guy that looks like uh, he should be working for Johnson & Johnson. He's got so many Band-Aids on him. All right, well, and then you also got to you also got to go to the big you got to go to the albatross on the team right now, and that's Bill Belichick. Everybody is saying, well, maybe this is his last year, maybe it's his last year, maybe it's his last year. I think the front office is hoping it's his last year because they're going to have to do something with that high salary they handed McDaniel's not to go to Indianapolis. We have talked about that before as being if he didn't go to Indianapolis and he gets that pay raise, he's the head coach in waiting. How long is he going to have to wait? He's got no choices. 31 other teams right out of one and hire him. Paul, are you going to hire a guy that walks away from you at the last moment? Are you going to hire a guy that hired a staff over there and then left them in the lurch? Luckily, the Indianapolis Colts showed some dignity over there, and they kept most of those coaches around. But how do you think that the head coach feels right now? He's got a bunch of guys that he had to adopt. Exactly. It's a tough, tough situation. So. Well, Indy's got themselves a bigger problem anyway. It's like, you know, they need a reality check. Uh, uh, what was the word out of Reich uh, this morning I heard? We're this close to getting Andrew Luck to finally throw the ball. Come on. Get back to me when that kid actually could get that ball winged downfield. Uh, that, that is a thing right now that I think will blow up in their face again. If they got to go with Jacoby Brissett another season, they're looking at another four wing year. So many different situations to keep an eye on, and we will certainly be doing that here as we move on with some veteran free agents who have yet to sign. Some of this has to do with their age or injury history or other issues. Some of it might have to do with the fact that not that many teams 
have money to spend, right, Dave T? So as we move on, we've got running backs like Adrian Peterson still out there, DeMarco Murray, and Alfred Morris, just to name three. Yeah, you're looking at three guys right now. I keep on hearing whispers out there that Peterson is trying to campaign to get himself with the Dallas Cowboys, which I think would be a good fit for him down there because not only will he come in and uh, serve as a good third down back, but you never know what's going to happen with Ezekiel on the field. Injuries, of course, uh, off the field. Geez, you know, we've seen his track record so far, what he's done as far as the maturity level goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We saw it this past the other two. Days. The other two you're staring at. The other two you're staring at. Are more likely, what will happen in training camp? Who ends up losing a running back or two during the first uh, couple of games? That's when all of a sudden everybody starts picking up the phone and saying, "Okay, let's give Morris a call." I look at Morris right now. I would really like to see him up at the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers got a converted wide receiver there in Tyrone Montgomery. They got a late-round pick from a couple of years ago, Williams, out of BYU. But outside of that, there's really not much in that backfield. And you go down, too, and look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, uh, Peyton Barber is their leading rusher, and he had about 540 last year. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll just have to wait and see as teams get into training camp. And they start figuring well, Murray, out what their cap is going to be because aren't some cuts going to have to be made and that'll get let teams because at last look, only eight teams, isn't that what you said? Only eight teams are under the salary cap? Uh, not only are only eight, eight teams above this, uh, uh, below the salary cap, out of the other teams that are above it, the lowest margin is $2.6 million. There's a couple of teams with at least $17 million. Washington is one of them with at least $17 million over the cap right now. That's going to be a lot of veterans you're going to have to cut for these uh, uh, for these rookies. That's going to be a lot of veterans you're going to have to cut for the veteran uh, minimum salaries bringing in. And this is where I feel that if you look at what's going on down there and everything else, you look at the Los Angeles Rams, that's where a good fit for DeMarco Murray might be. Uh, right now, their top backup down there is Malcolm Brown, but Todd Gurley is coming up for a contract, and Todd has already made noise. I like to get this done in training camp. I doubt if Todd Gurley is going to hold out, but you go back two years ago, he was injured. You go back four years ago with Georgia, he was injured. You're going to cover your base? What are you going to do? Cover your base for Malcolm Brown, or are you going to bring in a Murray? I'd much rather go for a Murray. He's a smash mouth type of guy. He had a bad year last year, but still. I mean, you're talking about a, prime, uh, a power runner. Okay, he's not the primary back anymore, but I think he could still give me at least 700 out there. But you've got to wonder, how much did he lose with those seasons where he had over 300 carries? The one year he had almost 400 carries when he led the league in rushing the Cowboys. How much did they essentially end his career by doing that? Because the history of players who have carried the ball over 370 times in a season and then have had any meaningful careers after that, that list is very low. Well, you, you go back and look at what he does outside of carrying a ball. He's a pretty decent receiver coming out of the backfield, but I love him as a pass protector. If I got an offensive line right now, which is suspect, like the Rams, to have this guy back there protecting Goff, at least on third down situations, is, uh, I would say, probably very wise to bring him in if I could bring him in at a $2 million price tag. As we continue, we've got some more veteran free agents to discuss, some potential holdouts to discuss, and then a holdout from the Hall of Fame we'll get to before we're done. But let's move to a position that you and I have been talking about for quite some time, and it continues to be a head-scratcher. Dave T., 
the safety situation. Eric Reed has gone ahead and filed suit by being overlooked. Kenny Vaccaro's still out there. Trey Boston had a solid season last year with the Chargers. And J.J. Wilcox, who has been with three teams, went to San Francisco to sign with the 49ers and then pulled an about-face and signed with the Jets. He had two teams interested in him, while Vaccaro, Reed, and Boston can't get anybody interested. What's going on here? Hey, if this does not spell collusion with capital letters straight on through, I don't know what it does spell. I mean, you're looking at a guy, okay, Reed, not only does Reed offer you the ability to play both safety spots, he did some cover two linebacking uh, 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 stuff last year. I look at Arizona, and that's a perfect place for him to go. They lost the honey badger. You bring in a kid that could play several spots, bring him in on a one-year make-good deal, and let's get it over with. Okay, Vaccaro didn't have that blown-up career down at New Orleans, but if I looked at Vaccaro and I looked at Wilcox, I would take Vaccaro in a, in a mortuary before I would take a live version of Wilcox. <laughs> Which then, what are they colluding on? Okay, Eric Reed joined his then-teammate Colin Kaepernick and took a knee when it was such a very small story and Kaepernick was trying to bring attention to something that had nothing to do with the national anthem or the flag, but that's a whole other story. Eric Reed took a knee in unison with a teammate at the time, even if there's an issue because of that with him in this climate today, where's the collusion with Kenny Vaccaro and Trey Boston, for example? Why why are no teams going after those guys? 32 owners lined up at the Chicago Stockyard. A man came along and went clip, clip, clip. All their testicles came off because they were listening to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or what I call Wackadoo University. You turn around right now, you just changed the national anthem rule where if you don't want to come out for the national anthem and stand, stay in the locker room. So what does it mean to me if a Vaccaro or if a Boston or if a Eric Reed? sits in the locker room for a few minutes. They're out there on the football field. With this new rule over here, I can't understand why they're still pressing the issue with these three guys. If you're talking about taking them on a talent basis and trying to convince me that J.J. Wilcox is better than these three over here, that's going to be one hard sell. Hmm. We will continue to watch that, obviously very closely, but some other defensive backs who play corner are still out there. Dominique Rogers Cromartie was released by the Giants in March. No one signed him. Bashad Breland from the Redskins. He was going to sign with Carolina but failed a physical due to a non-football injury. And then there's Delvin Bro, who looked like he had such a great future when he finally made it on the Saints, considering everything he had been through. But the Saints team doctors misdiagnosed what was a broken fibula, and he is still out there. What about those three corners, for example? Well, I'm hearing Breland might get a workout with Kansas City soon. Kansas City is probably regretting trading away Marcus Peters. He might have been a little bit of a distraction in the locker room, but on the football field, that kid really played the game well. Uh, Rogers Kamadi, here's another situation where I'm looking at the Washington Redskins. They got problems. They lost Breland, uh, Kendall Fuller in the offseason. They brought in Orlando Skandrick, but we know he's only a shell of what he used to be. The thing with Rogers Kamadi is I could play him in the slot. I could play him outside of cornerback. I could even shift over to safety. This is another guy where the Arizona Cardinals should at least try addressing getting back in with this guy because replacing Honey Badger is still a big black hole for the Arizona Cardinal defense. 
And what about Delvin Bro uh, with that situation, which was diagnosed initially as a leg contusion, but it was really a broken fibula? What, what's his status? I say training camp opens, all of a sudden, there he is, he shows up in Foxborough. If this kid is healthy and returns to it, he, they're going to get a steal up there. And you look at right now, Bill's going in where his left quarterback is either Jason McCourtney or Duke Dawson. Yeah, I think that he will look at a healthy uh, Brio and bring him in at that point. And I think he can get him for at least a $2 million one-year deal. This is made good for the kid. Another guy out there whose ultimate stop will be the Hall of Fame, has not been signed. That's Antonio Gates. What if the Chargers don't end up bringing him back? They've got Virgil Green. What, what's going to be the situation of the Chargers? Uh, Philip Rivers' world is about to be extremely different. Well, if they don't bring him back, they're probably going to have to go out and have Virgil get himself a hand transplant because <laughs> while he's one of the great, better blockers at the tight end position over there, it's like he steps out on the field, he's got hands of stone. So we're, we're not exactly going to see even a, a bad Antonio Gates coming out of a good Virgil Green. Uh, there's a couple other options they might look at. Uh, Philadelphia let go of Brett Selick. Uh, Julius Thomas was let go on the market. But if Antonio can't get himself in with the charges, you got to look at one team that collects uh, uh, tight ends like I used to collect baseball cards, and that's New England. So the Patriots may have an interest in Antonio Gates before all is said and done, in addition to Delvin Bro, who we just talked about. If Bill could, he play 10 tight ends out there on the football field, but there's something about you can only have so many in them in the backfield. <laughs> right. Well, there is something. You only let you line up 11 players, and they, got, they all have to play I, I, those. You just see logic, and Tom Telesco is a very, very smart GM that, listen, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Okay, the one you love is out on IR. You might as well bring back the one you were with last year. Obviously, be talking a lot about the Patriots moving forward. We've got one more position on free agents that are, that are out there before we get to potential holdouts and the other issue we want to talk about. Well, actually, I'd like to discuss two of them. I think there's a very good pass rush around there and I'm still a little puzzled that a middle linebacker has not gotten himself a Robert bite. Ayers was who I was going to go to the former New York Giants along with the Denver and Tampa Bay with all the love for edge rushers Robert Ayers is out there and Navarro Bowman the linebacker is still out there and the Derek Johnson signing may have changed things uh, for him since Johnson signed with the Raiders but what do you got on, on Robert Ayers and Navarro Bowman? You lost Ryan Chazier. You're bringing in a couple of guys. You say that you're pretty confident with John Bostic filling Ryan's spot. I just don't see it. Could they turn back and go to Lawrence Timmons? No. You want yourself a leader out there. You want a guy that's not going to quit on you. The viral bombing, you bring him in. You put him at the inside linebacker spot with those two stud first-round draft picks they got on the outside. Pittsburgh is ready to go. You're never going to replace the Shazier, but when you're bringing in a guy like Bowman, at least you got that veteran leadership. And he's been a winner in big games. He's played in big games well. Well, he showed last year, too, that he, despite all of the injuries that he had over at San Francisco, he still had game. Bowman, perhaps Pittsburgh is the best landing spot for him. What about Robert Ayers? 
I look at Ayers. Ayers has two avenues where he could probably go. He could probably go to uh, your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, even though they drafted Marcus Davenport right now, and they got Cameron Gordon on the other side. You're taking a risk of going in with Davenport. Honestly, I don't know what uh, they saw in him. Honestly, I don't know what they saw of him even moving up a couple of spots, much less giving rid of your first-round draft pick in 2019 for a guy that either is probably the biggest boom and bust in this draft over here, or Sean Peyton is the smartest man on the planet. Uh, another team that I look at, you know, you bring in Ayers. Ayers comes in to the, the Charger organization, even though they got a one-two punch of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. You bring in a guy like Ayers over here to relieve those two guys. You got instant uh, edge ability coming in on every play from those three women having two out on the field. Then go look at the Rams. The Rams uh, cut Connor Baldwin. They uh, traded away Robert Quinn. They're going to a new scheme over there, but. Ayers could play with his hand down or he could play standing up. This is another team that is still looking out there to bring themselves in, a quality pass rusher. The Giants, that would probably be the more ideal place for him, especially after getting rid of Jason Pierre-Paul, but the Giants right now are pretty complacent with what they have on their defensive line. Well, we'll keep our eyes on Robert Ayers as well. Let's, before we get to the Hall of Fame situation, let's talk about a couple of potential camp holdouts you mentioned the rams aaron donald you think could be a camp holdout earl thomas in seattle and then can you update the situation with Le'Veon bell and the steelers and no matter what you're doing with Le'Veon Bell, the needle and the damage is already done. I mean, you're talking about a fracture. We're not talking about a difference with the front office anymore. You're talking about a fracture. Are they really going to go ahead and throw a franchise tag on him again next year? If I'm not mistaken, that goes up to $30 million. Nobody in the world is going to pay that much money for your backfield, much less one running back. You see the writing on the wall, Le'Veon wants out the door. My gut feeling is he's Detroit Lion bound in 2019. The kid wants to go back home. No matter what Pittsburgh does this year, they got to pray that James Conner is not the fragile piece that he has been since he ended up with that cancer thing down at Pittsburgh. They need themselves a quality running back. They have it in Le'Veon Bell, but he won't be there in 2019. That I could guarantee. What about Earl Thomas, the situation with the Seahawks, and Aaron Donald with the Rams? I think the Donald situation is probably more crucial for the player than it is for the team. You got to realize one thing. They brought in the monster from Miami over there and Sue. So if Donald holds out while Sue and Donald together would probably be all world, they're saying, well, if you hold out, look who we got over here. We'll, we'll cover your spot for a little while. He's going to be a holdout. No matter what way you look at it, when that training camp door opens up, he's gone fishing. Well, he can hold out and they can hold the spot, but Indomitian Sue is not Aaron Donald. The thing is, is when you got a front office that has been known for playing Keystone Cops, I mean, Les Need held his job over there. He's probably got 30 pictures on Kroenke. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, we won't go there. Let's go to Earl Thomas. Uh, are his days in Seattle done? I think that he wants out, definitely, but Seattle is sort of like, how could I put it, holding on with a, a shoestring to the guy? Because really, if you look at their secondary, their secondary blew up last year. Look who's coming back next year. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be like they're going to introduce themselves in the huddle. 
I mean, Sherman's down at San Francisco. Uh, Thomas wants out the door. Cam Chancellor might be a career-ending injury. And we had heard Thomas might have been traded before draft day. We kept hearing Dallas as a potential landing spot for him, being uh, the former Texas Longhorn that Earl Thomas is. Might the Seahawks find themselves in a situation where they won't be able to keep him, or will they have to keep him and meet whatever terms he'll hold out to demand? I don't know how they could afford to lose four quality all-pro types in their secondary and exist this year. I mean, going back to the hot seat again, we're talking about Pete Carroll. The players are getting tired of him. So does the front office make a change even if he makes it into the playoffs and does his one and done again? I think that could be the situation. But do you trade Earl Thomas right now? What are you going to get for Earl Thomas on the market? Everybody knows he wants out the door. So already his value has been downgraded. You go ahead and trade him on the cheap, your fans are going to kill you anyway. He ends up going somewhere and excels. Forget about it. The newspapers are going to blast you to, from here to hell. So they're better off bringing him in, letting him voice his displeasure and tell him, listen, for 60 minutes, just keep your mouth shut. Go out there on the football field. Which will do him and the Seahawks a world of good because for him to have a future, he needs to play well. It it dumbfounds me that where most of the defenses today have turned into the point of where they want the interchangeable safeties and where the safeties are playing so much more importance in the box to try to shut down an opponent's running game, why the safeties have been such a non-factor on the off-field market this year. It continues to be a head-scratcher, and it continues to be something we'll watch very closely. Now, speaking of head-scratchers, Dave T., Terrell Owens has decided... You might have scratched your head yeah, on that one, I, man. I, I was scratching something else. <laughs> all right, yeah, right, exactly. I, he's not going to go to the induction ceremony for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Apparently, he's unhappy... He had to wait three years to get inducted, so he's going to celebrate the biggest day of his life someplace else, and he'll let us all know at a later date where that will be. Sort of reminds me of a little guy when I was a kid. Guy would come out, he would try to play football with the big boys and everything. Little Wuss out there, man, his mom would be screaming at us, coming out, lecturing us to put him in the game, put him in the game. Come on, you show your true worth, man. show how good boys you are. We finally put him in the game. He says, I'll see you. I'm going to go play baseball. To me, that's Terrell Owens. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. I deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. You need to have me in the Hall of Fame. Thank you for putting me in the Hall of Fame. I'm not coming. And wide receiver, wide receiver is a spot that historically... They've had to wait. Lynn Swan had to wait 14 years. And with all the championships he won with the Steelers, I don't remember him belly aching about it. I remember him being uh, patient and waiting and had to wait longer than anyone really thought. But how many rings does Terrell Owens have? And he only waited three years to get in? Please. I don't like the people that go out there on the football field and try to do the look at me, look at me, look at me. Well, mm-hmm. look at Des Bryant. Des Bryant is uh, the new version of Terrell Owens, a guy with great talent that just cannot realize it, that he's lost the step, that re- just cannot realize that he's not the number one guy anymore. Of course, Des will end up doing like Terrell, ended up with this team, that team, the other team, on name only. But as far as production goes... 
I don't know, you saw the last couple of years with Terrell, there were a whole lot more drops than I saw a big place. Right, and I just remember all the look at me, whether it was before he became a cowboy at, at the center of the field on the, on the star, whether he would show up in uh, no shirt on or various outfits to work out when he wasn't playing. It was always look at me, look at me, look at me. And in his entire career, he only played in 12 playoff games. So I'm not sure he made his teams better. Oh, he had great stats, but a guy like Drew Pearson, who doesn't even get to sniff the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was involved in virtually every major play while he was with the Cowboys, whether it would be with Danny White or Roger Staubach or Clint Longley or whatever, he's also the one that threw the block on 90, the 99-yard touchdown run by Tony Dorsett. He played in 22 playoff games, yet he's not getting anywhere near the Hall of Fame. And like I mentioned, Lynn Swan had to wait 14 years. Are you kidding me? I'll never forget when Terrell Owens showed up down at the Blue-Gray game before he ended up getting drafted out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Coaches down there and everything, and the scouts are talking to the coaches, and the coach just seemed a little bit agitated with the guy. I ended up using a line on a couple other guys over the years, but I remember overhearing the coach saying and talking about Terrell Owens and the problems that he had in the locker room. If there were 100 people left in the world and Terrell Owens was killed, there'd be 101 suspects. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is about greatness. And while Terrell Owens had incredible skills and put together fabulous statistics, in the end, an act like this is going to remind people that, you know what, I don't know that he made the teams he played on any better because they certainly didn't win the way other players helped other teams win. Well, hopefully for him, the XFL will come back and they'll uh, reissue a jersey for Terrell Owens if he decides to play ball. Remember that one that said on the back, he hate me? Right. Yeah, well, that's everybody in the NFL when it comes to talking about Terrell Owens. Dave T., we will leave it there. Welcome back to the U.S. It's great to be talking football, and we've got plenty of that still ahead here on the Scouts on a podcast where our listeners can find it at Spreaker.com, on iTunes, and iHeartRadio. We encourage you to subscribe. And Dave T., thank you. And thank you for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.